Hi, friends. Welcome to Tony Talks Therapy. I'm your host, Tony Oswegan, a licensed mental health counselor and somatic therapist based in Seattle, Washington. This is our 20th episode and the last episode of what I'm just going to call season one of the Tony Talks Therapy podcast. I am going to record this episode and then take a break for the end of the year and start releasing new episodes again. Right now I'm planning on January. So that's what we're looking at. I've got a couple of great interviews lined up and some episodes planned, some solo episodes planned. So stay tuned and subscribed. There will be new episodes coming early 2021. Today, we're going to talk about my year of meditation. If you have followed me on Instagram at all in 2020, you have probably seen my story that I post every single day where I say, you know, day 300 out of 366. Because this, of course, 2020 was a leap year. So like <laughs> 10 days into the year, somebody was like, Tony, you know, there's not actually 365 days this year. It's 366 because it's a leap year. So I had to fix it. But if you've followed me for a little while on Instagram, you've seen me post that usually in the morning every day, you know, my legs cross-legged. It's my sort of accountability mechanism to a commitment I made uh, to myself or at the beginning of 2020 to meditate every single day this year. And so today I will be talking about why I decided to do this, how I committed to it, how I stayed consistent, especially in the shit show of a year that 2020 has been. I've got a couple of recorded questions that y'all sent in. I'm really excited to have your voices on this podcast, and I hope to do something like this in episodes in the future. So I've got some questions that y'all sent in with your own voices, and then some questions that people sent me just via text um, that I will answer those as well. We'll talk about guided meditation versus non-guided meditation, dealing with emotion when we meditate, how to stay motivated, what impacts I've noticed with this practice, recommendations for how to get started, meditation and trauma, and plans for next year, which I do have them. So we will dig into answering these questions just here in a minute. Hey, Tony, my name is Kate, and my question about meditation is kind of about the general types of meditation. Wondering if you could explain more about like Eastern meditation, Western meditation, meditating on certain thoughts, or meditating to clear your mind. Um, and how to decide like what type of meditation to pursue. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for that question, Kate. That is a really, really awesome question. And I will say that I am not an expert on all types of meditation. Um, I know the type of meditation I practice pretty well. I've been practicing for probably about eight or so years now. Um, so I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit more to the style of meditation that I actually practice because I don't want to share anything incorrect about styles of meditation that I just don't know enough about. Um, so I will say, though, that there are a lot of different styles of meditation. If you look into Eastern philosophy, Buddhism, and various other 
spiritual traditions or meditative traditions. There are a lot of, even within Buddhism, there's a lot of different sort of tracks and styles of meditation. Um, actually, I super recommend the 10% Happier podcast. Some of the early early episodes of that podcast, they sort of talk about these different lineages of meditation. But I will say that the style that I practice is mindfulness meditation, which to me is sort of an Eastern-inspired Western meditation style. And basically, this was brought to the U.S. by a lot of different people who went to study uh, meditation elsewhere and then, you know, brought it back and said, hey, this is really valuable. It sort of started to permeate culture. The first book I read about meditation is called Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn, who I've probably talked about him before. He's like my celebrity meditation crush. Anyway, the way that he defines mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. And so to Kate's question about different types of meditation, you know, meditating on thoughts versus clearing your mind, you know, to me, meditation is not so much about clearing your mind. It's not about relaxing. It's about learning to pay attention to what's happening right now and to be with what is happening right now without judging it or being really reactive about it. And so you can practice that with formal meditation, which is what I've been practicing every day this year, but also informal mindfulness meditation, which I'll touch on a little bit more later. And again, this to me, this practice of meditation, and, and most meditation teachers will tell you this, it's about sort of flexing the muscle of your mind so that you have a more conscious say in how you're showing up in your day-to-day life. So rather than sort of reflexively reacting to whatever's happening, we can respond. It's really a practice that's more about being rather than doing. And for those of us who are trained, (laughs) and I think almost all of us in the U.S. are trained like this to be productive all day, every day, and accomplish things and do the things and finish the things and succeed, We really struggle with just being and knowing that it's okay just to be. And to me, the practice of meditation has actually helped me be more productive because I can think more clearly and slow down and make um, more intentional decisions, which actually saves me a lot of time. There's also, and I'm forgetting who exactly said this, but there's a a meditation teacher who talks about um, when you feel like you don't have 10 minutes to meditate, you should sit down and meditate for 20. (laughs) He sort of talks about it as this way of like, if you feel like you don't have time, then you really need to slow down, right? Anyway, so meditation is more about being than doing. It's not about relaxing or calming down. It is not about clearing your mind. And so the way that I practice mindfulness meditation, this is how I've been taught, is to pick an anchor which for me, I tend to like to use my breath most of the time and focus attention on that anchor. And to me, I sort of say to myself, breathing in, breathing out, or inhale, exhale as I'm breathing. And then of course, because you're human, your mind's going to get distracted and you're going to think about your grocery list or what you have to do later that day or you know whatever happened yesterday. And really the practice of meditation is to notice, hey, I'm thinking about something and come back 
to your anchor. So it's not prevent those thoughts from happening or try not to have those thoughts, but I'm thinking about something else. I'm also here breathing in and out. In. Oh, groceries. I have to get groceries later. Okay, hold on. I'm breathing in and out. In and out. Oh my God. And yesterday that person said that fucking annoying thing. Okay, hold on. In and out, right? Like that is the practice of meditation. And the fact that we're having these other thoughts does not say we're failing at meditation. It does not say that we're bad at meditation. It says that we're a human with a mind that generates content all the time. And we're training ourselves. Hey, right now I don't need that. That's not what's happening right now. Right now I am sitting here and I am breathing. So that's really the practice of meditation that I do. And the way I decided to do that was just sort of this is what I was taught first. There are a lot of other types of meditation. Some of the other types that I practice um, are loving kindness meditation. Sharon Salzberg teaches a lot of loving kindness meditation, and that's essentially practicing compassion for yourself, for someone close to you, for difficult people, for the whole world. That's a super valuable practice. There are, gosh, there's so many more I can't even think of right now. Um, but mindfulness meditation tends to be the practice that I um, that I default to on a day to day. So, what made me decide to do this every single day in 2020? So, the first part of this is that I have done this before. I did it one of my birth. I was born in June, so one of my birthdays to birthdays. Um, I think it was 20. 18 to 2019, that that year of my life, um, I did meditation every day. So I have done this before and then got out of it for a little while. And then in 2020, um, when we were coming up on January 1 of this year, I just decided I kind of want to do that again. I had gotten really out of practice and really wanted to jump back into it. And to me, it is really helpful to commit to something like that. That's just part of my personality style. Um, someone else asked, was it hard to commit to 366 days of meditation? And to me, not really, because I've one, I've done it before. And two, um, five to 10 minutes a day to me is is not that hard of a commitment. Um, and I am a pretty routine person. And, and so again, this is like part of my personality style that I really like structure and routine. And so when I decide something's going in my routine, it generally happens. I know it's not that easy for everybody. But I decided to do it just to see sort of what happens. You know, I'm feeling kind of ungrounded. I know this year is going to have a lot of changes. Um, no, I did not expect 2020 to be what it was. Um, but my business was growing and I was changing the way that I was practicing. And so I really wanted to make sure that I was centered and grounded in myself. And I know that meditation for me is one of the tools that really helps me do that. So that's sort of why I decided to commit to this. And then, you know, 2020 became what it was, which I have a question about a little bit later. Um, but first, we're going to get another question from Debbie. Hi, Tony. This is Debbie Hernandez. So I actually have a couple questions for you in regards to meditation. Uh, how did you get started on it? Do you have any sort of, um, how do you prep yourself before you start with the meditation? What helps you to stay consistent uh, with uh, the meditation each day? And what are the benefits that you've noticed that you've gained from doing this so consistently? What has uh, helped you to be successful in that? So those are my questions. Thank you. 
All right, Debbie, that's a great couple of questions. The last one of what benefits have you noticed? I'm going to answer a little bit later on in the episode. But you asked what helps me stay consistent with this practice. And I think I mentioned this um, in my answer to the previous question that part of it is my personality style is sometimes like when I decide to do something generally I do it if it's all within my control. Um, and so that part of it is is honestly <laughs> part of how I stayed consistent with this. Um, it can be really easy to forget to do. Um, there, especially on the weekends for me when I'm a little bit out of my um, out of my regular routine, I would sometimes like mid-afternoon be like, ah, oh, shit, I got to meditate today. <laughs> Can't forget. Um, so sometimes setting an alarm was helpful or using apps that sort of reminded me to meditate. Um, and so that's something that you could use if you do have a sort of goal to meditate every day. Set a, set a timer or not a timer. Um, set an alarm to remind you, you know, set it at whatever time you wake up or mid-afternoon, like, hey, don't forget to take a break and meditate. That can be really helpful. Another piece that I think is useful is to link it to another habit you already have every day. And so to me, I just sort of looped this into my morning routine. I would eat breakfast and brush my teeth and then sit down to meditate. And so it just sort of rolled into a routine that already existed. So that can also be something that can be helpful to keep something like this in your schedule. Another piece that I think is really valuable, and um, I don't know if any of you have heard of Gretchen Rubin. She talks about habit change quite a bit and the four tendencies of how we tend to maintain habits. There's questioners, obligers, rebels, and upholders. I think I sort of have this upholder mentality of like, once I say I'm doing it, it's going to happen. Um, but I also am an obliger and accountability really helped. Like I, throughout the year, I said this at the beginning of the episode, I've been posting a picture every day when I do this with the the day count, you know, what day of the year it is and how far we are. And that accountability has actually been really helpful. The knowledge that like, if I don't post this picture today, then people are going to ask me if I meditated. They're going to ask me why I didn't. And so that was, you know, on the side, like another little motivator for me. Um, so that accountability system or an accountability buddy can be really helpful if there's someone that you want to meditate with or that you want to try something like this with. Wonderful. I also should say that meditation does not have to happen every day. I set this goal to meditate every day this year, and that is by no means the right or correct or best way to go about a meditation practice. You can do this however the hell it works for you. So I'm speaking to those of you who want to have a daily practice, and that want is not based in shame. <laughs> because, you know, do it every day if that works for you, and if it doesn't work for you to do it every day, or if you don't care to do it every day, whatever. Um, so this is all speaking to, you know, if it's a non-shame-based goal for you to meditate daily. Debbie also asked how I prep for my meditation. And generally what I do, I have a meditation cushion that sits on the floor in my living room. It's that orange thing that you see under my legs. Um, if you've seen my stories about this, that's my meditation cushion. And, you know, usually I sit there to meditate unless there's a reason I need to be somewhere else. And I honestly don't do very much prep. I mean, I would like take my picture and post it on my Instagram stories and then sometimes get distracted by other things on Instagram and then be like, hold on, I'm here to meditate. Let's let's get into it. Um, so to be honest, some days I was pretty distracted. But usually what I do is I sit down and I sort of check in with like, do I want to do a guided or an unguided meditation today? How am I doing? Is there anything specific that I need? Because sometimes, you know, it would be a 
particularly stressful day and I would feel like, gosh, I really need a guided meditation about stress. Um, or, and I, I might speak to this a little bit more later or not, I don't know. Um, I was feeling a lot of grief this year. And so there were, you know, a fair amount of days where I just needed meditations about grief or I needed a short meditation that was focused on movement more than it was sitting still. Uh, and other days where I just really want quiet. I just want a timer and to do the meditation practice unguided. And so often I'll do a real quick check-in with myself of like, ooh, what kind of meditation would be helpful today? And then I'll either set my timer or turn on the guided meditation. And I tend to sit either cross-legged or with my feet, my knees sort of under me. Um, and I meditate with my eyes closed and get started. I'll also add, and these were some other questions that y'all asked that I really like. Do I like meditating in the morning? Was a question someone asked. And generally, yes, I prefer meditation in the morning. Partially because then I'm like, it's checked off my list. I don't have to worry about forgetting to do it today. <laughs> but even when I'm not committed to doing meditation every day, I generally do prefer to meditate in the morning. It sort of helps me sort of get settled for the day, um, check in with myself before my day really gets going. I really enjoy a morning meditation. That being said, I, for a long time, meditated on my lunch breaks, and it was a way to like recenter in the middle of my day. I think there's a lot of value there too. Um, and Generally, because I'm a routine person, I like to, to put it in the morning. And then a lot of you also asked, how long do I meditate every day? And do I generally practice guided or not? And typically, my practice looks like 10 to 20 minutes a day. Some days it was shorter, and that is, you know, because of 2020 and some things happening in my world. Um, but generally, 10 to 20 minutes. And usually... I prefer a non-guided meditation. Typically, I prefer just a timer and then I check it. I, you know, anchor in on my breath like I mentioned earlier. And then when thoughts come in, I pull myself back to that anchor of my breath. I generally prefer that because 2020 has been so chaotic and I have had a lot of personal stressors happen this year. Um, I have found guided meditations to be really helpful. And I was really surprised by that, actually, because uh, I strongly preferred guided meditations coming or uh, strongly preferred unguided meditations coming into 2020. And now I'm a little more 50 50 um, because there were days where I was feeling so much and struggling with so much that I needed the grounding of another voice in my meditation practice um, and somebody sort of telling me where to focus and helping me stay focused, um, that that was just really, really helpful specifically with some of the things happening this year. And so I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. It just really depends on what you're needing, what your capacity is, um, you know, what sort of meditations you've done in the past that you've liked. Yeah. Another question. Actually, we will go to another recorded question that y'all sent in. This one's coming from Lane. Hi, Tony. My name is Lane. And 
I'm wondering how you stayed motivated to continue doing meditation this year, especially this specific year. I found myself at the beginning of all of this where meditation was very helpful to me and then it wasn't working so much. So then yoga was very helpful. And then now more like going for walks and exercising and dancing is what's very beneficial to me. So how has meditation helped you throughout all of the phases of 2020 and how are you motivated to keep going? Oh, Lane, I love this question for so many reasons. Um, How do I stay motivated given all of 2020? Um, I wasn't the whole time. And I'm sort of a believer in the idea that action comes before motivation and not after. And so regardless of whether or not I was motivated to actually meditate that day, I was motivated to keep this promise to myself. And so I continued. I also know for myself that when I am not doing well, meditation is one of the biggest things that helps me come back to myself. And when I don't meditate, I notice it. And so this year, that also was really helpful to know that I was struggling with, this is probably one of the hardest years I've ever had, the hardest years probably a lot of us have ever had. And so I needed something, right? I needed a lot of things to ground me. And meditation sort of became one of those things, this like consistent grounding, centering practice that was hella hard and part of my self-care plan for the year. So someone else asked that question too of, of what kept me going on days I wasn't feeling it. I mean, there were literally so many days I wasn't feeling it. So for those of you that don't know me personally or haven't followed my Instagram super closely, my mom died in the middle of May, about a week after Mother's Day. And not even of COVID. She got the flu, regular flu, and the pandemic, whatever. Um, And I almost stopped this whole thing at that point. So I was like, fuck it. Everything is horrible and grief is the worst and I can't do this anymore. And I just knew that I would need to sit with that feeling. I mean, this is something that I know as a therapist, we have to feel our feelings and grief especially is such a heavy one. It's such a hard one to sit with and everything in me was wanting to avoid meditating when I was deep in grief. And to be honest, my meditations were way shorter. They were like a minute or two sometimes during that time. But I stuck with it because I know the power of being able to be with ourselves when we're hurting. And I didn't want to leave myself all alone and distract my grief all away. And so meditation was really one of the ways where I stayed with myself through that process and still am sitting with myself through that process. And it was hard. It is hard. Someone else asked, have I ever cried while I'm meditating? And like, yes, so many times. Because there are some days where the thoughts and the images and the emotions are so big that those actually became the focus of my meditation. I was no longer using my breath as an anchor. I was using the feeling of my mom 
as an anchor, the smell of her shirt as an anchor. And so those actually became, and I'm tearing up a little bit, so I'm sorry if my voice is cracking, but those actually became the focuses of my meditation and really helped me sit with my grief. And there were days where it was really brief and days where it was too overwhelming and I needed a distraction. And so I would meditate for a minute or two and then go watch mindless television. (laughs) And there were days where the meditation needed to be movement. Lane mentioned this in in their question that there are some days where meditation is really helpful, other days where yoga or movement was helpful, and then I needed to come back to meditation. And I did a formal seated practice every day, but some days I knew like a seated practice is not what I need as much today. I'm still going to do it because that's my commitment, but I also need to dance. I also need to do some yoga. I also need to do some mindful running, right? And so there were other ways to layer in meditation when I knew that like a seated practice wasn't like 100% what I needed to ground in that day. And just that, that knowing for myself, and again, this is not true for everybody, that meditation is just a really helpful grounding tool was really, really valuable. So I'm going to take a quick break for a drink of water, and then I will answer a few more questions. Phew. All right. So that is all the recorded questions that I'm going to do today. And I do have a few more that y'all sent in just via my Instagram story box. And one of the most consistent questions I got from y'all was what effects do I see from this meditation practice? So I'm going to speak first in sort of generalities about what the research says is generally helpful about meditation. And then I'll speak sort of specifically to myself. I think I've already said quite a bit about what helped me throughout the year, but I'll name a few more things. So the general impacts of anxiety are that it reduces anxiety, depression, and stress, helps improve concentration and memory, can help increase empathy and compassion, helps us learn how to tolerate discomfort, and like, goddamn, was 2020 like the definition of discomfort. And so I'll jump in here and say that definitely meditation helped me with that this year, both with the grief for my mom, with the Black Lives Matter protests and, you know, grappling with my whiteness and complicity in the system of white supremacy. Meditation really helped me sit with the discomfort of all of those emotions so that I could be there to take effective action and do what I needed to do to take care of myself and help activate necessary change in society and whatever ways I as an individual could do. So definitely that learning to tolerate discomfort is a massive benefit that I've noticed uh, this year, and that is also really backed up by research. They've also done some neural imaging studies that show that meditation strengthens a a system in the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex, or the ACC. And this is basically a little bridge between our limbic system, which is our you know, if we're going to simplify it quite a bit, that's like our fear-based system that when we get triggered, that's a system that like sounds the alarm. And the anterior cingulate cortex helps connect our limbic system to our frontal lobe, which is our decision maker um, responder. And so when that 
ACC is strengthened, makes it less likely that our prefrontal cortex will go offline when we're triggered in stress or a traumatic reaction. It creates more neural connections where I think I talked about this earlier, where we can be less reactive and more responsive. That when we're reacting out of our limbic system, it's very reflexive, very automatic, and often not the reaction that we want in that moment. And so having a, a stronger connection between our limbic system and the cortex really helps us do more of responding to our environment. There's also been some studies that show meditation helps make the amygdala less reactive. It actually decreases the size of the amygdala, which is sort of our fear alarm center. And then there's also some studies that show that meditation helps improve interoception, which if you've seen me talk about my yoga classes that I teach on a monthly basis, um, which I should say, I've got one coming up next week on the 16th. I will try to remember to say that to myself at the end of the episode. Um, but meditation can help us with interoception, which is the ability to sense and respond to what's happening in our bodies, which is often cut up, cut off in trauma, kind of necessarily. We sort of jump out of our bodies in trauma because it's scary to be in our bodies. But that also keeps us from knowing what's happening internally, which makes it a lot harder to take care of ourselves, a lot harder to regulate our emotions. So when we have that stronger sense of interoception, we're a little more able to sense what state we're in, what we need, and actually respond to ourselves with care. So in that way, meditation really helps strengthen emotion regulation, increasing our ability to focus. It also increases our ability to savor positive emotion. Which I think this year has been really interesting. I did a lot of meditations on gratitude. And those were guided meditations that I that I did. Um, and I've noticed this sort of interesting dual dual thing of grief. And maybe one of these days I'll do an episode on grief when I can talk about it a little bit more um, eloquently. But I noticed that depth of grief and also the like depth of joy and gratitude I could experience for just being here. You know, we talk about meditation as a practice of being and not doing. And God, what a gift to be here, right? At least that was part of my experience of meditation that really helped me savor those little moments of joy and gratitude. So those are sort of the general effects of, of mindfulness and meditation. And other things that I noticed this year were that it really helped me sort of stay centered. I think 2020 has pulled all of us in a lot of different directions. There's a lot of things to care about. There's a lot of things to do things about. And meditation really helped me come back to let me put my feet on the ground before I take a step that I could be magnetized over here and magnetized over there and pulled in this direction and that direction and like not even think about what I'm doing or even integrate what I'm doing. And meditation really helped me. The language I have for it is put my feet on the ground rather than feel like I'm just sort of floating through the year. I mentioned this earlier that it really helped me through grief just being with myself and being able to tolerate the massive, massive pain that comes with loss. Helped me be with anger around the general reaction to the coronavirus pandemic. 
Um, it helped me sit with shame around racism in the United States, which helped me, you know, sit with that shame in a way that allows me to sort of mutate it into guilt, which helps me actually take effective action. So um, if you've looked into any of the sort of white fragility work, um, when we're stuck in shame, we center ourselves in the story and we can't actually do anything to help. But what I've noticed is that meditation helped me say like, okay, I can set this shame aside and I can value this system changing and have it be very important and urgent that this system changes. And I can do that from a place of centered, knowing who I am, knowing what I value, knowing what I can and cannot do and what needs to happen. So it's really supported me in that. It's also, I think, really, really helped with general like stress. Because <laughs> as I've been saying throughout this episode, this year's been hella stressful. And to me, taking 10 to 20 minutes a morning to slow down with no technology, with, you know, nothing to do, just being with myself in that moment, gosh, was just such a gift to be able to slow down and really notice like how wild my mind was going <laughs> throughout the, throughout the day, like how many places my, my thoughts go in even just like a five minute span and really like strengthening that muscle of coming back. I'm distracted and back and distracted and back. And generally I noticed getting distracted less often, being able to come back more quickly when I was distracted, really feeling much more here and able to sit with the discomfort of here. And by no means is that perfect. And it's something that the practice has definitely helped me access. All right, last couple of questions. Someone asked about recommendations for sleep. Um, my ongoing recommendation is Yoga Nidra, which is guided meditations that are specifically geared to drop you into deep sleep pretty dang quickly. Yoga Nidra, I think, is magic. Um, one place you can access it is the Insight Timer app. You can just search Yoga Nidra. There's a bunch of meditations on there. Try to gear your search to Yoga Nidra for sleep because there are some Yoga Nidra practices that are a little more geared towards something like trauma processing. Um, so generally, I recommend um, looking for the ones that are geared towards sleep. And I have a tickle in my throat, so we're going to take a break, and then I'll be right back. All right. Another question that I got quite a few of were, how do I get started in meditation? So this is for those of you that are interested in meditating or have kind of dabbled in it, but haven't done a lot. Um, or those of you who are experienced meditators and are sort of interested in my perspective on what it looks like and how to get started. So the first piece I want to share is that when I talk about meditation, I hear a lot of people worry about doing it wrong. And I want you to know that there's no wrong way to do this. It's literally just, if you get distracted, come back to your anchor. And if that, if you spend the whole time distracted and don't notice until the end, that's okay. That's not a wasted meditation time. That's learning. That's practice. 
I think about it like reps in the gym, right? It's a way to strengthen that muscle of being present. So you can do informal meditation practices. And I think we do these all the time without even calling it meditation. If you are doing the dishes, really feel the temperature of the water. Really smell the dish soap. Um, really feel your, the, dish, the weight of the dishes in your hand right? You can really practice this in informal ways. Same for in the shower. I walk my dog almost every day on my lunch break, and that's kind of a meditation for me. I have a commitment to myself not to be on my phone unless I have to be and not to listen to podcasts and and not to be distracted on that walk. So I'm literally just walking my dog and looking around at nature and watching him be adorable in the world and really practicing just being there, right? These are really, really wonderful practices that you can use all the time. And they're, I think, especially great for trauma survivors or if you feel wildly uncomfortable sitting still in a meditation, these informal practices can be a really great way to access the practice of mindfulness without like a seated meditation that might be a little bit too much. So if you are doing something like a more formal meditation, I think I said this earlier, generally pick an anchor. And this can be, someone asked, like, if I can't visualize, can I still meditate? And I was like, yes, the, the anchor does not have to be visual. It can be, but does not have to be. So you can use a visual anchor, you can use the breath, you can use a physical sensation like your seat on the cushion beneath you. There's a lot of really great meditations out there on sound. You can meditate on sound. So there's a lot of different anchors that you can use. And generally, You know, pick an anchor whenever you're distracted, gently, compassionately bring yourself back to that anchor. For some people, I I mentioned I use the breath as an anchor. For some people, that can be really triggering. There, I know there were some days that the breath was not working for me as my meditation anchor. It's because my mom was in the hospital on a ventilator and the breath, the idea of breathing was triggering for me for a little while. And so I know that's true for a lot of us for varying reasons, right? And so if the breath is not a useful trigger for you or if it adds to anxiety, which is true for a lot of us in the breath, pick another anchor. Get a sensation, use a mantra, use a guided meditation, use, you know, look at a plant in your house and look at that as your meditation object. So there's a lot of different options here. You don't have to close your eyes and you don't have to sit still. You don't have to sit cross-legged, right? You can lay down. You can meditate walking. You can keep your eyes open if that works for you. And closing your eyes is really not right. So really do what's comfortable. This practice is really flexible in that way, which I love. I also want to name that if you have a trauma history and you're trying to meditate, you might have flashbacks, you might have intrusive thoughts while you're meditating. If that happens, just stop. Go do something else. Go regulate another way. Go connect with your pet or a partner or friend in the house. Go get a cup of tea. Go do something else. Find another grounding skill for that moment and maybe come back to meditation if it feels right that day or maybe just leave it that day. Similarly, if a really strong emotion comes up during meditation, you can always stop. Just because you've got a timer set for five minutes doesn't, or 
yeah, just because you've got a timer set for five minutes doesn't mean you have to sit there for five minutes. If two minutes in, a really strong emotion or a flashback comes up, and you're like, God, I can't sit with this for another three minutes, that's okay. Stop. We don't have to force ourselves to sit with just with the discomfort just because we've told ourselves we would sit there for five minutes. There is an important differentiation between discomfort that we want to sit with and practice sort of strengthening our ability to sit with and discomfort that is too much and that we need to stop and go do something else about, right? So that's some discernment you can do in your own practice. You can also sit with the emotion, right? I think I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about meditating with grief. We can shift our anchor in the middle of meditation if it feels right. You know, it might shift from the breath to that strong emotion. You might look at where does that emotion show up in your body? What thoughts are coming up with it? Can you watch that emotion arise, strengthen in intensity, and then fall away? Both of those are how meditation sort of helps us tolerate discomfort and regulate emotions. And if it's not feeling right to you to stay with it, then go do something else. Again, there's to me, there's no wrong way to meditate. And it is a practice, right? It's not a skill that we master. And then, oh, I've got this cough. Um, it's not a skill that we master and then sort of are done with forever, right? It's a constant practice. Just like if you're trying to keep a muscle strong, you're going to keep working that muscle. All right. A quick play, couple of places that you can start. So there's a couple of apps that I really love. The first is Headspace. And none of these are ads. These are just apps that I'm aware of that I like. The first one's Headspace, which has a great seven-day free trial that teaches you how to meditate. And if you like the app, you can pay for the subscription and keep going. I think Headspace does a great job of teaching mindfulness meditation. Calm is another great app. I know LeBron James is in the commercial for that one. The app that I have been, the two apps that I use the most, the first is 10% Happier which has, I think it's a seven or 10 day free trial where there's a really wonderful meditation instruction for you doing mindfulness meditation. And then if you pay for the subscription, um, then there's a lot of different series of meditations. You can do like a 10 day course on stress or a 10 day course on relationships. And they've got world renowned meditation teachers on that app teaching these various meditation skills, giving a brief couple of minutes talk, and then guiding you through a, a meditation. So I think that app is wonderful. Um, even if you just get it for the seven or 10 day free trial to learn how to meditate, it's an awesome place to start. And if you have the funds, the subscribed version is fantastic also. Again, not an ad. A great free option is an app called Insight Timer 
which has guided meditations. It has a timer, just a plain timer on there. Um, I find Insight Timer to be a little bit overwhelming if you're first starting out because there are so many different types of meditation. So I tend to recommend people start with the free trial and something like Headspace or 10% Happier so you can get the basics down and then shift over to Insight Timer and search mindfulness meditations and use the meditations on there. Um, so that's that's often what I recommend. Um, but those are some really, really great places to start if you're interested in jumping into this practice. All right, the last thing. One of you asks, will I keep meditating frequently or daily after this year is over? Yes. Um, I'm not sure yet if I want to commit to 2021 meditating every single day. Uh, I'm not against it. I just haven't quite decided yet if I, I want to be that, that rigid about it again. <laughs> um, but I do plan to continue meditating very frequently. It is a core part of my self-care and the way that I stay centered. So it's definitely going to remain a part of my, um, if not daily, quite frequent self-care practice. So thank you all so much for submitting your questions. This was a really fun episode. I hope that it was helpful for you. So if you like this episode or this podcast in general, please rate, review, and subscribe. Share on social media and tag me in it. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Tony Talks Therapy. And you'll see a lot more from me on there about meditation, about general mental health stuff. I also uh, I actually remembered to, to say this. I am teaching a yoga class for stress and trauma next Wednesday. That's December 16th. In Pacific time, will be from 7 to 8.15. And the class is $10, $15, or $20, depending on your means. And if none of those work within your budget, you can send me a message, and we'll, we'll figure out a way to get you into class anyway. So sign up for that class. It's a yoga class geared towards people experiencing stress or who have experienced trauma to support you in re-inhabiting your body, connecting with your body in a way that feels hopefully safe for you. The practice is really designed with trauma survivors in mind. And so if embodiment and connecting with your body is something that you're practicing, I think that that class would be a really, really great option for you to, to get into that practice. And if you're feeling generally just stressed out with the holidays and the end of the year and, and all the 2020 things or just your life things, the class also generally is planned to be a pretty calming, grounding experience. So it can be really valuable to you as well. So I've got the link to sign up for class um, in, the, in the show notes. So again, thank you so much for listening. I super appreciate y'all's support this first quote unquote season of the Tony Talks Therapy podcast. This has been really fun. We will have some new episodes coming out in January of 2021. Thank you so much. Take care and happy new year. <laughs>